Hello, and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Others that wanted to help also. We've got some pictures of somebody else. You got me, Jackson? Thanks, brother. So there's my crew, and we got brooms. So we're trying to, and we've got a dog that keeps kind of messing up the whole scene. But I got to tell you, Nora was feeling good. Look at her. She is owning the moment. She is all in that pose, just feeling like a rock star. Ronnie, hand on the hip. She looks thin because she did that. So let's go to the next one. And there's Ronnie. She's going to sweep off the steps this morning. Make my heart ache right there, that little girl. So anyway, last night I'm sitting on the couch um, with my daughters. And if you opened up your bulletins, do you see this heart inside of your your bulletin? I see several of them. You didn't know there was a heart in there, and they're on the floor um, because they slid out. But last night I'm sitting on the couch with my daughters, and we're cutting these hearts out. And then we start folding them up and crinkling these hearts and just squeezing on them and getting all kinds of dings and tears in them. And then we unfold the heart back out. And then over the course of time, this is what your heart looks like. Stuck them in the bulletins, did about 110 of those, brought them over here this morning, dumped them on the way over, put them back in. And ain't that the story of the human heart right there? is over the course of time, it gets squeezed on. It gets stepped on. It gets dropped. It gets pressed and folded and abandoned and forgotten and ripped. And you got a four-year-old cutting on it. And you got your kids that have cut at that heart and maybe a spouse, and who knows what, over the course of time. And then we show up on Sunday morning. Here's our heart. You show up to work Monday, the next day. You go Tuesday. You just go about your day, right? And we've got a heart, but it's just been dinged over the course of time. I would encourage you to keep this. Stick it in your Bible. Put it in your purse. Put it in your wallet. Just as a reminder that no matter if the heart has been tore up, over the course of time, it still has value. It still is your heart. It still is the heart that God has given you, and no matter how many times that thing has been twisted and messed up and squeezed on and dropped, it's still yours. And can I contend even higher? It's still God's. It belongs to the Lord. It belongs, it's the very heart of God that He wants to, to work His story out in you and it's constantly a story of redemption and something can't be redeemed if it was never lost and so he is in this continual pursuit of winning the thing that has been damaged over the course of time that thing that has been lost over the course of time this is your heart for me I mean this has got my daughter's fingerprints all over it it's going to my bible and I hope that maybe one day I pass this Bible on to my kids and this heart's going to be in there 20 years from now just as a symbol, a looking back on, I remember when moment. Let's read this chapter, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I am nothing. In just a moment, we're going to look at another passage of Scripture where it talks about people that seemingly are good folks, people that go to church, people that maybe even serve in the church, people that would be priests of the day and pastors of the day. And here's what he's saying. You can be awesome, you can be a priest, you can be a king, you can be whatever, a prophet, people that speak in tongues, people that do all of these signs and wonders and miracles. And he says, if you don't have love in your heart, if you're not doing it from a position of love, he says, you're just making a lot of noise. And a lot of noise over time is annoying. It's like whenever your neighbor has a hound dog, that's just annoying. Over time, right? And he says, here's the deal, is, is, if, is if it's motivated from a place of love, then we're good, but if it's not, you're just annoying, and you should be quiet. He goes on here, he says, love is, and this is where we get into it, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there's tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the childish things. I put them behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Isn't it amazing that whenever he brings it all to a conclusion, and he ties the whole thing together, there's three things that remain. And he says, faith, hope, and love. F having faith in God, he says, still isn't the top. Having faith in one another, having a heart full of faith isn't the top dog. Many times we talk about, hey, am I a Christian? Or we'll just say, well, I'm just a person of faith, right? Sometimes you kind of hear that language, or my faith really matters to me, or we kind of kind of appeal that faith is kind of this thing that really separates me. And he says, no, 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 that's not it. And this other part of just having hope, because not having hope in this world, you know, when you're hopeless and the heart is, is heart 
sick and it's hopeless and we move into despondency and, dis and, de and despair and depression because we just don't have hope for a better day or a better tomorrow. Hope is good. The Bible says that hope is the anchor of your soul. He says, but still that falls short. There's one that's even higher. There's one that's even much bigger and it's this thing called love. And love is the the top dog and as he's comparing amongst themselves he kind of contends one of the things that he says in here is love does not boast one of the things that just happened with Ronnie this last week Ronnie we're going over her spelling words and it takes repetition for Ronnie she's incredibly cute but she's just got to catch up upstairs thinking Ronnie thank God that you're just really really cute um, now we've got to train the brain we're going to get her we're going to get there but we've got to go over and over and over and it's like the word the, it's just tough, that TH is just hard, right? Or, you know, the sh and the ch and the, all those sorts of, of things. And so we're going over these words and over and over and over and over and over and over and over. But we're going to get there, we're going to get it. Ronnie, what is whatever word? And she gets it. Woo! I mean, we're ready to celebrate anything. We're ready to celebrate whatever. And, we, and then she goes on to the next one, and she got it. And she goes on to the next one, and she got it. She got three in a row, and guess what she did? Guess what she said? This is easy. <laughs> We've been here for an hour. We got three words, and it was easy. Isn't it amazing how quickly the heart can boast in something? You've missed it for 40 years, and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm awesome. And the heart, man, the heart, you just can't trust it. Right? Because the heart always wants to prefer itself. The heart always wants to boast in what it can do. The heart wants to keep records of how everybody else is wrong. The heart wants to remind you of your mistakes. When the heart is off, it's just off sometimes. The Bible says that love doesn't boast. It doesn't keep records of how you hurt me and how I'm gonna I'm gonna remember this. How many of y'all sometimes in marriage, whenever you're working it through, and you can drag up dead bones from 20 years ago? And I remember, but you did this. You remember what you said back in 84, and I haven't forgot it. I'm holding on to that thing. I'm going to breathe life back into it as often as I can. Bring that thing back into our marriage. That'll be, that'll be good. And we just resuscitate things that are dead and the bible says whoa 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 we're operating at the highest value is love and so why do we continue to live at the lowest value of remembering each other's flaws of boasting and how awesome we are and not celebrating one another it's captured i believe in a really good scripture and it's the story of the good samaritan will you flip there with me it's it's in the gospel of luke it's luke chapter 10 and in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, if you're using our Bible here, it's page 735. Page 735, are you there? I want to, as this story is going to really capture the essence of this, I want us to be focused on that it's not about the person, it's not about the person that we're supposed to love. It's about the kind of person that I want to be. And can we, can we separate the two of those? Because sometimes it's all in one and the same. Because you're like that, then I'm going to be like, right? I connect my identity to your behavior. 
you act a certain way, so therefore I'm going to be this way with you. And can we say, you know what, this whole message of love needs to be about the person that I want to become. This is more about me than it is the person that I want to love because they're not going to get it many times. And I can just keep records of how they're not getting it. Or I can say, Jesus, I want to be like you, and you didn't keep a record of all my wrongs. Actually, while my hand was in the cookie jar, the Bible says, it doesn't say it like that, but it says, while I was in sin, Christ died for me. In the midst of my sin, while I'm committing the act, he goes to the cross for me. Isn't that amazing? Go with me here to Luke chapter 10. And verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Some translations say it was a lawyer that stood up. And here it says an expert of the law. So we can just assume this is going to be a lawyer. And lawyers are good at testing and asking questions. And so now they go into deposition and he's cross-examinating Jesus. Okay. And Jesus had just gotten done talking about the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? It's love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor and to serve others the same way that you would serve yourself. This is the greatest commandment, and without that, there is no other law. This is the one thing. He says, Jesus says, this is the highest above all things. And so then the expert of the law, he says to Jesus, and he goes to try to test Jesus because he doesn't like this idea. Hey, I don't like this idea that I got to love everybody. So let's put it to the test. Teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Isn't that great? He asked the lawyer, how do you interpret law, lawyer? All the law that's out there, you should know the law. What do you think that it is? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Mm. We could just stay right there, huh? Do this, and you will live. You will come alive. I know this. Whenever I don't want to love, whenever I don't want to get outside of myself, when I don't want to care about others, whenever I have kept a record of wrong, because I'm, that's probably the one that I do the best of. I know all of this, this and this and this and this, and I don't want to love right now. Oh. Don't leave me up here by myself, church. Anybody else? Give me some head nods, an amen, a fist pump, something. Thank you, Lynn. That's the one for me. I can kind of handle, I'm not awesome at the other ones. I can kind of handle them, but I have a record in my heart. And he goes on and he says, if you can do this, you will live. And man, I'll tell you, whenever I, be, I get outside of myself, I can come alive in a disproportionate amount rather than replaying the story in my mind. Goodness, how many car rides, how many showers, how many making breakfast in the morning conversations are you having in your day? You've, you have argued that thing back and forth, back and forth. You're arguing with yourself, and you got it beat. You got it won, right? You just totally dominated them, and your heart is dead. It's not causing you to come alive. Jesus is talking about eternal life, but also here on this side, come alive whenever you begin to love. And he answered, uh, where am I at? Do this and you'll come alive. Verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself, right? I do too. I can justify why I'm not going to love. I can justify why I don't want to give. I can justify why you're an idiot and I'm awesome. I can justify this, 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 this. 
and the lawyers doing the same thing. And we would rather live in the courtroom than in the throne room. I want to take you to court and I will prove all of these injustices because we're going to live according to the law. Dang it. Not according to grace, not according to love. It's the law, not love. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, the law is love. We're going to contend for a higher law here. So he goes on and he says he wants to justify himself. And so Jesus had told him that you should love your neighbor. And who is my neighbor, he asks. The audacity of this guy. He's going toe-to-toe with God, staring God in the eye. And he's saying, who is my neighbor? Try, try to tell me who's my neighbor because I, I, I think I can get out of this. In reply, Jesus said, I love that Jesus does not give a direct answer. He goes at a side angle. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, a pastor, the holy man, the good people, the Christian, happened to be going down the same road. And by the way, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, they say that historically was, was just plagued with robbers. This is where you would hide in the, in the bushes. This was the, the, the jogging path or the bike trail where everybody hides in the woods and comes out and, you know, captures the 20-year-old woman who shouldn't be out there jogging by herself. This was the road. And the robbers are always constantly getting them. And so Jesus, he says, I got a story for you. And everybody's going to know this story. And the priest happens to be walking down this road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a a Levite. A Levite, the tribe of Levi, was the tribe of the priests. Okay, so here's the tribe of the priests. So here comes another priest, or at least somebody that's in the family of the church. Okay, somebody that understands the law. The Levites studied the law. So here comes another Levite. And when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled... He came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Let's set the stage a little bit more. Jews and Samaritans are like Madison Grant and O'Kill, okay? That's just kind of how it goes down. Um, but to the extreme, because now we're dealing with races, okay? So we've got the, a, a race and a religion of Jews. We've got a race and a religion of the Samaritans. We don't get along. We hate we don't, we don't talk to, we don't, we're not around, we are at odds, we are at war, we just stay away. Don't, and it's, and it's, I'm unclean if I go around the Samaritans, same way, likewise, back and forth, right? And so there's no, there's no getting in on the Jews and Samaritans relationship. What you see, what's amazing is how many times Jesus is propping up the Samaritans in his messages. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like many times we see historically, and Jesus, who was a Jew, is supposed to as a Jew, opposed Samaritans. Jesus tells a story. He says, hey, I healed 10 lepers, but only one came back to thank me. It was a Samaritan man. Why does he tell the story that the Samaritans were awesome? Just ticking off his audience. Showing up at Fairmount Friends, just poking them is what he's doing. He tells another, he tells another story where he, he's, he's with the woman at the well, and he spends a, a significant time just hanging with her. Just hanging with her, man. Just like sitting down at the branch with somebody from Oak Hill, just spending some time. Hey, let's talk about the glory days. And she starts pouring out her heart 
and Jesus is like, I am the, I am the river of, of, of whatever he says, life, right? Take a drink from me. You won't have to come to this well anymore. Come on, I'll give you full, I'll make you fully alive. Jesus is constantly propping them up or giving them his best to the Samaritans. So then he tells a story about the Samaritans saying the Samaritan's the one that crushed it. The Samaritans nailed it, just sticking them. Verse, where am I at? 34. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jesus answering a question with a question. You tell me, who's who's the neighbor? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Check this out. Have you ever hated someone so much you don't even want their name in your mouth? He doesn't even say it was the Samaritan. I don't even want to say Samaritans right now. It was, it was the one who showed mercy. Can you come in here and handle your son? Your son doesn't even have a name anymore? I got to go see the wife. The wife? The wife doesn't have a name. That's uh, the one who showed mercy. Uh, Jesus, what a story. That was, that was dumb. Hey, I got to go check in with the old man. Got to go, gotta go take care of the old hag. They don't have names, and we would rather not even have, I don't even want to say their name. I don't even want to identify at all with them. Just me? <laughs> if you didn't hear that, Dan said, well, I got to go see the preacher. good to know it's not just me it's also Dan (laughs) isn't it fascinating how quickly they can lose their identity and will identify with their weakness and we want them to live in that place of their weakness a preacher's got a lot of weakness (laughs) this Levite had weakness here's a couple things that that potentially could have been going on in this situation Levites and priests, they took vows that they would not ever go around any unclean thing. So it was part of their religious rituals to stay away from the dead. As he comes upon someone seemingly looks like he's dead, he appeals to what would be the religious thing. Well, I'm not supposed to touch anything that's dead, so I better just go out of my way. Well, sorry, I can't really help you right now. I got to be at monthly meeting. I got some religious obligations I got to appeal to, and that's, and that's way more important. Hey, sorry, don't have time to handle that. Maybe the church will handle that. But, well, I don't personally want to do it, but maybe they can do it. That wasn't funny. That got really serious. Should I tell something else funny? Dan, say something funny. <laughs> Get them back here. And Jesus is just sticking them, right? 
and the priests, the Levites, they're supposed to stay clean. We're supposed to stay pure. I can't, I can't minister to them. I might get dirty. I can't, go on, I can't go to those nations. It's dirty. I can't go into that bar. That's where dirty people are. And Jesus says, you want to be the neighbor? Check in on the dirty, the dying, the diseased, the broken, the despaired. Get down in the mix with that. That's who the neighbor is. And if you want to truly live, Jesus says, do this and you will live. Do this and you will come alive. Do that and you will inherit eternal life. This last week, we honored a man by the name of Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, he speaks to this parable. And he, the time of Jesus, the, the, the road from Jerusalem and Jericho, this was notorious because of the danger, the difficulty, the bandits that were out here. It was known as the way of the blood. And Martin Luther King many times felt like he was walking on roads that was the way of his own blood. In his speech, I've been to the mountaintops. He says, he says this, and on his speech, the way to the mountaintops, this was the day before his own death. He describes this road as follows. He says, as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus used this. And he's talking about that he went and actually visited this place. He saw it. I, why he used this as the setting for the parable. It's winding and meandering road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the bloody pass. And as you know, it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was nearly faking it. And he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them and to take them, to lure them there for a quick and easy seizure. And so the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Fascinating, huh? If I'm seen there, what will my name be? If I help here, that's going to make me short this month. And I move towards self-preservation than I do serving those that are in need. Fascinating how he talks about this this last I don't know maybe a couple weeks ago my daughter Ronnie she she colored a picture and on the back of it she wrote a letter to Jesus we put a stamp on it and we mailed it to Jesus if you want to know Jesus's address it's 777 heaven heaven's place God's home and we mailed it to Jesus and Ronnie was so excited she's like I when is, when is Jesus going to write me back? Is he going to send me a letter back? And she was aching, and the letter wasn't coming, and the letter wasn't coming. And almost bummed. Like, I thought that surely Jesus would respond. And then a letter did come in the mail from 777, Heaven's Place, God's Home, addressed to my dear Ronnie Meyer. I want to read this letter to you here this morning. Dear Ronnie, I was so happy to get your picture. I love it, and I really am filled with joy that you have the heart to want to do that. You know what else? 
I love watching you sing and play piano. You are really good at piano, and your voice is as sweet as the angels in heaven. Your joy gives me great pleasure, so keep smiling and enjoy the life that I have given you. I love it that you are so adventurous. I also love now that you are considerate of others. Your love is like mine. It is contagious with a smiley face. Talk to me anytime, day or night. I will always be there. I love being with you. Keep sending your letters. All of heaven knows about your letter. We celebrated when it arrived. I love watching you grow up, and I simply love you and the whole world more than you can imagine. And I know you love me too. I see you, hugs and kisses, Jesus. Ronnie just beamed. The smile on her face we couldn't wipe away for a couple days. She walks around with this letter. I read the letter to her this morning. Her response was, read it again. You know, whenever we, uh, whenever we look at what love is, and we look at the message of Jesus, and he says that love is patient. Love is the kindness that we show. It's long-suffering. Love is gentle. Right? It's not keeping each other locked. He says love never fails. Love is the greatest of all. Love is the number one commandment of all things. And instead of seeing somebody that's hurt and walking around, love dives in. Love pays the bill. Love does whatever it takes. Jesus didn't keep our record against us. And he dove in. And he continues to show his kindness and his patience, his long-suffering, his goodness in our lives. I'm going to close with this. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Just evaluate your own relationships this morning and say, man, where is it that I gotta, I gotta slow the anger? I gotta deploy some patience. I gotta release some kindness. I've heard it said that forgiveness is releasing the prisoner and realizing that the prisoner was you. I gotta let go. I gotta forgive. I gotta show the love of God. As we close here this morning, I wanna pray for us. Would you all just stand with me? Perhaps 
you look at this heart here this morning and you think, man, I, I wish I was the good Samaritan, but honestly, I identify more so with the person who was beaten and left on the side of the road. Maybe that's who you identify with in that story. It's like, yeah, it would be great to take care of everybody else. I'm just limping myself. My heart is dinged. We're just going to ask the Lord, God, would you just heal our hearts this morning? Would you bring some, some heart restoration? Also, I encourage you to get into spiritual community. So much healing can happen when you jump into the village of health. Get tied into relationship. We can go on a journey towards health. But we want to pray over these hearts. We want to pray that we would be the people that would take care of others. Jesus, I just lift up every broken heart that's represented here this morning. God, you know the times that it's been stepped on and dropped and forgotten. It's been cut. It's been cursed. Father, you know every heart and every ache that is here. Church, I just want to tell you that God has written you a letter. And he says, I see you. I see you playing piano. I see you singing. I'm with you always. I saw when you went through that in your job and in your marriage. I saw it. I was there. And I want to dive in the story with you. Jesus, I pray that you would just bind up the broken hearts. Father, I pray that as we get healed, that we would be that Samaritan, that we would take care of others, that we would be kind and patient, that we would love those that are not like us. Father, give us the heart of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.